Since last night, I've been receiving uh, requests for sermons. Uh, someone said I should uh, preach on what Jesus had to say about procrastination. And uh, I guessed immediately why that was the case. And then someone else suggested I should preach something on how cruel it is when professors heap on unreasonable amounts of work. I'm going to talk about something that will uh, be relevant to all of us, and that's prayer. As we work our way through the Bible's great story, we will continue this long look we're having at the man Abraham and the faith that the Apostle Paul says is the model for what it means to belong to God. Why is this so important, this faith? Well, it's very clear that we are saved by grace through faith. Salvation is a gift from God. It is not of our own doing. It is simply God's gift to us, and we receive it through faith, through trusting in what God has promised to give us in Jesus Christ. Now, we all know a Hebrew word, whether we know it or not. It's a Hebrew word, and that's the word amen. It's the Bible's word for belief, for faith. It's the idea of well, driving a stake in the ground and anchoring a tent to it. It's, uh, it's the picture of driving a piton into a rock face as you might climb up the face of that rock. It's something you anchor yourself on. It's the, high, the whole idea of putting your full weight down on something. That's what trust is. That's what faith is all about. We're saved by that. And Abraham is the model, the exhibit of our struggle with faith, but also what it means to be saved by faith. Something else very important about faith. We belong by faith. We who have faith in Jesus are children of Abraham. We have been grafted into the vine. Now, I'm of Irish descent. I wasn't always proud of it because all I knew about Irish people up to a certain point in my life was they, they, they had a reputation for drinking and uh, singing sort of cheesy songs, it seemed to me. Uh, I've become very proud of my Irish heritage, and I'm very, very grateful that centuries ago, in the time of Augustine, brave men took the gospel to a warrior culture on the north edge of the Roman Empire and told us the good news about Jesus. Brothers and sisters, we sit here this morning, you and I sit here this morning, because God in his graciousness has extended membership into his family, the people of God. And that happens through faith. And we've seen how faith waits. Sometimes it doesn't want to wait, but Abraham and Sarah have to learn to wait for God to deliver his promise. And good things happen when we wait, whether we like it or not. We've seen how faith laughs. Karl Barth said that God's grace is his divine, nevertheless, spoken into our despair. It's, it's God saying, I don't care how foolish you are, how weak you are, how of no account you are, I stay, nevertheless, you're mine. And that makes people laugh when they realize the incongruity between what they purpose to be in themselves and what they actually are getting in life. And faith prays. And we're going to look at the first great prayer of the Bible this morning happens after Abraham and Sarah have been reminded that they will indeed have a son in their old age. 
these three men, these three mysterious men, one of them is the Lord, have appeared, and now they've finished their meal, and they're starting off to a place called Sodom and Gomorrah. Genesis chapter 18, verses 16 to 33. Listen to this remarkable story of prayer. Then the men got up from their meal and started on toward Sodom. Abraham went with them part of the way. Should I hide my plan from Abraham? The Lord asked. For Abraham will become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. I've singled him out to direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord and to always do what is right and just. Then I will do for him all that I have promised. So the Lord said to Abraham, I hear that the people of Sodom and Gomorrah are extremely evil and everything they do is wicked. I'm going to go down there and see if the reports are true and then I will know. The other two men went on towards Sodom, but the Lord remained with Abraham for a while. Abraham approached him and said, Will you destroy innocent and guilty alike? Suppose you find 50 innocent people in Sodom. Will you still destroy it and not spare it for their sake? Surely you wouldn't do such a thing. Destroying the innocent with the evil. Then you'd be treating the innocent and the guilty just the same way. I mean, surely you wouldn't do that. Should not the judge of the earth do what's right? God said, If I find 50 innocent people in Sodom, then I will spare the city for their sake. Then Abraham spoke again. Now, now, since I have begun to speak to my Lord, let me say some more. Um, suppose there are only 45 in the city. Will you still destroy it for lack of five? And the Lord replied, I will not destroy it if I find 45. Then Abraham pressed his request. He said, what if there are only 40? God said, I will not destroy it if I find 40. Now, please, don't be angry, my Lord. Let me say some more. Uh, suppose you find only 40. The Lord replied, I will not destroy it if there are 40. Then Abraham said, since I have dared to speak to my Lord, please don't be angry, but since I have dared to say so much, let me continue. Uh, suppose there are only 20 in the city. The Lord said, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. And finally, 
Abraham said, please, please don't get mad. Now, I have just one more thing to say. Suppose, suppose there's just ten to be found. And the Lord said, for the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. Then the Lord went on his way after his conversation with Abraham, and Abraham returned to his tent. The word of God. Prayer. It's a mystery. And we see all the mystery of prayer wrapped up in this conversation that Abraham has with God. Mystery number one. All prayer begins with God. Now, see how this happens in the story. God has just told Abraham and Sarah that he's going to do something very good for them. And then he thinks to himself, I'm going to go from here to Sodom and Gomorrah, places of extreme evil, and I wonder now, should I let Abraham in on what I'm about to do? And notice here God's reasoning for it. He said, I, I've chosen Abraham to be a great and mighty nation. I'm going to direct him to teach his sons and their families to follow my way. And when they do that, I will bless them as I have said. But should I let them know what I'm going to do to these people? Because God is on the verge of doing something terrible to these people. Richly deserved, but nevertheless terrible. He wants to draw Abraham into prayer by telling him of his plan. Now, why should this be so compelling to Abraham? Well, Abraham has family in Sodom. He has a nephew, Lot, his wife, and two daughters, four people. Doesn't that give great significance to the, the numbers? How about 50? How about 45? How about 40? How about 30? How about 20? 10? Prayer starts with God. God says, this is what I'm about to do. I want you to realize something very big's happening here, and you have a role to play in it, a big role to play in it. Prayer is God's gift to us. Why does God ask us to pray? Why does God draw Abraham into this conversation? Let's go back to Genesis chapter 1. Why does God say to us, be fruitful and multiply and increase and fill the earth, tend the garden, care for the earth as one of my stewards? Why does God say that? Well, Pascal put it this way. He said, God wants to give us the dignity of causality. That's the philosopher's way of saying, God wants to bestow on us partnership with what he's doing. And so he shows us his plan. He shows us his purpose. He shows us his point of view. He shows us his heart. And in so doing, he's drawing us in to a conversation. That's what prayer is. 
You know, sometimes we think we pray because we need to let God know something that He doesn't already know. Now, we know that's not true because God knows everything, but that's not the point ever. God knows everything. Jesus says when you come to God, you don't tell Him anything He doesn't know. He knows what you're going to say. But He wants you to come and to get involved with Him over the things that He's already moved in you to pray about. The best book I've ever read on prayer is by Peter Taylor Forsyth, and has a great line in it. He says, all our prayers are answers to God. It's God. When you are moved to pray, you have already been moved in by God to start praying. Because he wants to give to you the dignity, the significance of getting involved with him in his plan, in his purpose. It's like when I was uh, the father of small children. I'd be out mowing the lawn, and my kids would want to help me. And you can picture a grown man with a five-year-old holding on to the handles of a, motor, well, a motorized lawnmower, and me bent over the child, mowing the lawn. That's a little bit like, like it is with God. God says, I, I don't need you, but I want you to get involved with me. And there's some things God just won't do until we get involved. That's the first mystery of prayer. He takes the initiative with us. We pray because God has first prayed in us. Mystery number two. When we pray, God wants us to wrestle with him to enter into a dialogue, to really engage him. You, you see the anger in, in Abraham. I, I mean, I've got family in this place. Are, are you going to wipe out an entire place, including the innocent in it? Have you ever prayed to God the way Abraham just prayed to God? Have you ever said things to God like, surely you wouldn't do that. Would not, should not the judge of all good things do good things? I mean, how can you, how can you justify yourself as God? by doing what you're doing, or not doing what you're not doing. And believe it or not, God likes that. When God says, shall I hide my plan from Abraham? He knows exactly what's going to happen when he shows his plan to Abraham. Abraham's going to be a good Jewish haggler. He's going to push God He's going to bargain with God. He's going to hang in with God. And you know God loves it when people do that. He loves it. Faith, faith is active. Faith is a wrestling with God. Faith is an engagement with God. Faith is arguing with God. Faith is pleading with God. I mean, has God never so moved you that you, you got stirred up about it to pray, stirred up? When I was under the process of ordination, they, they would examine the young candidates for ministry, and uh, I was one of three guys who had to appear before the Presbytery of San Diego. I'll never forget the first guy who got up. Uh, they asked him, why was he going into the ministry? And he said, well, I'm going into the ministry because I, when I went to college, I had a hundred questions about God. I won't tell you what college he went to. You know it, Bill. And uh, 
said, I came to college with 100 questions about God, and, and in the course of my college experience, I got all 100 questions answered. And now I want to go out and give the answers that I learned in college. Well, the Presbytery did a very wise thing. They recommended that he get counseling and wait a while for ministry. I mean, do you, do you wonder? No. Are you upset over the kind of world we live in? I mean, do you ever look at Scripture and, and God's promises and what God intends for the world, and do you ever compare it to the way the world is, and does it just kind of get you bugged? So bugged that you go to God and you bug Him about it. God said, I have posted watchmen on the walls of Jerusalem, Isaiah 62. And they'll give me no rest and they'll give us no rest until Jerusalem becomes the jewel of the earth. God said, I want you to wrestle with me. It's a book out called The Prey of Jabez, and I think it's a pretty good book. Nothing wrong with praying for prosperity and good things. But when's the last time you stayed up all night pleading with God for the really big things? One of our Lord's parables in Luke chapter 18, he said, Well, not... Will not God hear his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night for justice? People praying like Abraham, wrestling with God, struggling with God. That's the mystery of prayer. God really wants us to get in his face. Abraham's son will be called Isaac, which means he laughs. His grandson will be called Jacob, which means he cheats until a night he wrestles with God and he gets his name changed to Israel, which means he wrestles with God. The people of God, by definition, are Israel, the ones who wrestle with God. And Jacob and Israel are great, 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 great grandfathers of Jesus Christ. And it's through faith in Jesus Christ that we are grafted into the family of Abram, who became Abraham, who had Isaac, and Jacob, who became Israel, the wrestlers, the arguers with God. Does it matter to you that you pray that way? The third mystery of prayer is that our wrestling with God really affects Him. It really does. Don't ask me how this works. I mean, I've seen large theological treatises on just how it works that our, our, our human desires, our prayers, can affect a God who is infinitely wise, infinitely powerful, infinitely loving. All I know is that the God of Scripture is a God who is affected by our prayers. He gives a power to the prayer of faith that He consents to submit to.
I don't get it. But I know there are just some things God will not do. He will not do until we ask Him. In fact, He won't do until we ask Him enough that we really want it. Thinking of my wife's eccentric aunt, I own. When she was 45 years old, she was sewed up after her seventh cancer surgery. She had gone through a very difficult marriage, been divorced, abandoned by her husband. Now seven cancer surgeries later, she has no chance to live. She wants to die. She believes in Jesus. She wants to go to heaven. That's it. She's happy. Sew me up. Pray that I'll go soon. But I own had an Abraham for a father. And her dad, Henry, would not hear of it. And he demanded of God. He stood in God's presence. He argued with God. He pounded the floor with God. He said, God, you must save my daughter. Ione is now 88. Now, that happens. That really does happen. Sometimes it doesn't happen. As the Puritan Richard Sibbs put it, sometimes God says a big no so we can say a greater yes. We ask for silver, God gives us gold. I, uh, I asked my son Joel if I could share this with you this morning. Joel was the guy who led in worship. We have a neurological disorder in our family called Tourette's Syndrome. It's gotten a lot of press lately. Some pretty stupid humor from What About Bob, but nevertheless, people are more aware of it. It's a neurological disorder. It's called a, a disease or disorder of disinhibition. Sometimes if people with Tourette's syndrome, they just make funny noises. They get obsessive-compulsive. They uh, make facial tics, vocal tics. They, they act up. We noticed it in Joel when he was seven playing soccer. He wanted to look at the sun. He knew it was bad for him, but he couldn't stop. And he didn't know anything about Tourette's syndrome. He wanted to do things that could hurt him. He didn't know why, but it just felt compelled to do it. And, uh, of course, being a parent, I thought it must be something I did. I remember the first time I got down on my knees with my wife and prayed for Joel. I saw just this large constrictor, this huge, remorseless serpent squeezing the life out of my boy. That's what it looked like to me. Well, the church heard about it. I got up one morning, walked out to the front porch, and uh, there was a hundred plus names on a list of people who committed every Tuesday from 5 a.m. until midnight in increments of 15 minutes to pray for Joel every 15 minutes through the day. We had well over 100 people doing that, and they did it over the years. Now, Joel uh, doing real well. Of course, other kids struggle with the same stuff to some degree. He's not cured. We don't know what's next. All we know, 
all we know, it was worth the wrestling. It was worth hanging on to God. And no matter what's out there tomorrow or next year, it's still worth wrestling with God about. It really affects Him. And it troubled most of us. We give up too soon. That's the mystery of prayer. God presents us with things. The destruction of a city. A child with Tourette's syndrome. A daughter with cancer. Who knows? A terrorist attack on September 11th. Things that perplex us and bewilder us. And if they mean nothing more than they are to drive us to prayer, that's enough. And he wants us to hang in with him. He wants us to hang in as people who know he has promised to hear and be affected by it. So what are you praying for? Well, you walk in with your books sometimes. I know you're thinking about what's next after this chapel service. I know many of us are concerned about, well, who are we going to marry and are we going to get a job? Have you thought about, pray for that, but have you thought about committing yourselves to a lifetime of standing in the presence of God, pleading, arguing, wrestling with him? over his kingdom. You know the story of Wilbur Wilberforce? He and a other group of members of parliament wrestled and prayed for 40 years as they agitated in the English parliament for the abolition of slavery in the British Empire. Okay, you're young. You're 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. Project 40 years from now. Is there anything that matters enough in the scheme of this planet? for you to still be praying about when you're 60. Praying and working, working and praying for it. You know, I wondered about the right psychological moment to talk about what I'm talking about this morning. You're tired, you've got a lot to do, your, your vision is pretty short term, and that's okay. But if I could plant a seed in this campus this morning that would produce a band of students who would hang on to God and not stop asking him until he said yes for his kingdom to come for the churches in the Sudan to flourish and not be butchered for the people of Afghanistan to know the light of God's kingdom. I mean, we could go on and on. But would you cry out to God, like Abraham, for his kingdom to come? I can't think of anything that's more worth your while. Well, it's time to go. And you'll walk out of here and you'll go to class and you'll go to lunch and Will you go to your knees?
you wrestle with God over the things that really matter. My prayer, my earnest desire is that you will. Who knows what a generation yet unborn, your kids, will have to say about this generation if they did that. I won't be alive to see it, but I want to look down from heaven and praise God that a bunch of Westmont students acted like Abraham and prayed. Let's pray. Father in heaven, oh, stir us up. Lord, make us want the things that you want. Make us hunger and thirst as a man or woman dying of hunger and thirst, hungers for water and food. Lord, make us want your kingdom and to pray that way. Lord, stir us up. And Lord, would you bless us as we go and do the things we came to this college to do, learn and step up bars that have been raised high. Lord, give us grace to do that. But Lord, stir us up. In Jesus' name, amen. And keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you, make you pray, and give you his peace. Today and forever. Amen. Yes.